0: shooting this film, there was an insane amount of lights for literally like one angle. I think there was a total of 13 lights on this one shot and we had them flip all this lighting for the reverse and then he's like, can we just get the camera up first? I'm like, well no, we need to get started on it now before we get there. Well, about half of that wasn't in the shot and he was like, man, <laughs> he gives. they give me crap about that every time we worked. this. you remember that beautiful shot? that we lit, dude, it was so gorgeous, I wish it would have been in the movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Rough Cut Club. I am your host, Joey Nakotra here with my co-host, partner in crime, Mr. Shane Reitzamer. Shane, how are you doing today, bro? Doing great, man, loving life. Loving life, man. I am loving life too. Uh, Loving being back in the studio today. And we have a super exciting episode because I have a good friend uh, here with us. Extremely talented, handsome, uh, DP, first AC, camera operator, extraordinaire, father, husband. Without further ado, welcome Mr. Michael. Keep the shot in focus, Bradley.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> that was <like laughs> a good introduction. I, there you go. Yeah. It was well, good, I got a big buildup. I know. I got to Keep hype the up, shot man. in focus. Yeah giving giving out nicknames today for free you mm. may just get one, i feel so. like there's a story behind that that we're gonna get to
1: hear later uh, from you absolutely well um. <clears throat> i'm just trying to up the brand right now so <laughs> anyway uh michael man thank you for coming out making the trip down here we're excited to have you get you on the show man so thank you for taking the time to be with us today
0: absolutely thanks for having me out
1: yeah man so michael has uh we've had we've actually had the opportunity to work on a couple of projects together some lasting a little bit longer than others all yeah. of which seeming to have uh exciting stories attached to them uh yeah, at least you could some some can say exciting um nothing nothing bad happened n- nothing you, bad. mostly yes mostly <laughs> yeah nothing that we were responsible right. for anyway but um yeah me and michael have had the uh the great fortune to work together on a couple of projects and make some movies and shoot some cool music videos over the years and mm-hmm. just do a couple of uh, neat things. And so um, for people that don't know you, though, can you tell us a little bit about you, your backstory, kind of, you know, where is the start of your journey? Mm.
0: Okay. Well, you want me to tell the whole thing from the beginning? You know, yeah. just like... How did you get started in the industry? Let's yeah, hear how the... did you get started okay. as filmmaker? <clears throat> so that was kind of a trick, right? Um, so when I was in high school... I actually wanted to be a computer engineer, Um, and it was about junior year. They're like, hey, you know, they pull you into your counselor's office. They're like, "Uh, what do you want to do? I want to build computers. Okay, well, let me find a class in our system that goes for that. Oh, here we go. There's this new technology class that just starts next year. Okay, great. I get in there. I see all my friends. I'm like, oh, well, these are my friends. Like, we must have something in common. That class was audio-video production. <laughs> uh, and I think it actually had a different name. It was kind of like something weird, like AV technologies and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So uh, so the teacher, she's sitting there explaining the difference between a female and a male XLR cable. And she's like, all right, does anybody have any questions? I'm like, uh, raise my hand. Yeah, uh, what are we going to talk about building computers? <laughs> and that was my first like time dealing with somebody who had ever been in the industry. She, she was like, honey... If you think we're gonna build computers, there's the door. Just get out. <laughs> Dang, pretty extreme, right? Yeah. So, anyways, like I said, my buddies were in there, and uh, I was like, you know, maybe this will be cool, like to learn, you know. So I stayed in there, and then I had this crazy idea. Hey, you know, maybe I'll go into broadcast journalism or become like a sports camera op or something. So I stuck with it. Year into that class, they offered me a paid internship at the school district. So I started shooting and attending at the same time, I guess. Fast forward outside of high school, I kept kind of just doing the same thing, more like one man band, camera operating jobs. And then at some point, like I just got this idea about well, actually, I take that back. I was gonna say I got this idea about making movies, but it's not really what happened. It just kind of happened. Like I started like experimenting with stuff and, you know, learning more. And then before I knew it, I was like, I'm not even in the broadcast thing anymore. Like I never even went down that route. I just kind of went into filmmaking without even realizing it. Wow. So I was operating, I guess in some ways I was DPing and I didn't know what I was doing. I yeah. didn't understand how the whole system works. So I started trying to get on jobs. I started working with people as an operator. And then I was like, well, does you know, the person in them do it? first AC? Okay. Well, then I started first ACing. Then I started second ACing. And then I realized I didn't like second ACing so I went back to first ACing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and uh yeah, I kind of stuck there for a little
1: while and yeah. so so you kind of broke right out of like high school almost yeah. doing this and so you actually became a freelancer in early hi-
2: or Immediately. Late high or Wow. So you yeah. really that is in so cool. In high school and paid internship. Yeah. This guy was, was making content in high school.
0: It was yeah. paid. weird. And I didn't understand how it worked either, right? Because the school district was like, hey, we've got two internships. And I was like, you know, when you're in high school, they're like, oh, this is what you want. Right, 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 (laughs) You know, like when you go to college to get this. And I wasn't a good student. I was really bad. Sure. Um, So they, when they offered that, I don't remember what I was making. Like at the time, it was good. It was like $2 more than minimum wage or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would film, you know. What you call it, college night, or you know, yeah. they need some footage for like the the website for like what happened at the football game this Friday Just documentary night. Just yeah, and it was stuff. like documentary yeah. style stuff. So I think that kind of gave me a work a a, a a foot in the door. And you know what's interesting too? There was this guy in our class, and I always think about this is that uh, he wanted to be a film director. Yeah, and I remember thinking, man. Who would want to do that? That sounds like such a hard life. And now I think I'm being punished. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. I I remember uh,
1: us talking on set one time, and you're just like, man, I don't know why I do this. Yeah. I mean, it's like
0: a, you know, it's like a drug. Like, I mean, I've never been a drug addict, but if I was, I would assume. You know, you can't stand doing this thing. And then every day you're like, you wake up and do it again. Like case in point, work a 16 hour day, (laughs) have trouble getting home. I'm telling my wife like, oh, it's ridiculous. They work just like a dog. They made a set up a whole scene and then flip it, you know, and, (laughs) but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wake up early to get to set to make sure everything's (laughs) done right. You know, so it's, it is what it is. That's
1: so good, man. (laughs) Such a good analogy. So, um, Super cool intro into filmmaking. Talk to me a little bit about like today, where you're at, kind of what you do, um, you know, what your business looks like today.
0: Okay. So, um, it's primarily I'm a cinematographer. I, I, like I said, so I was first ACing and then I was camera op and then I was DPing, right? I was like splitting into three waves. Um, and then, the the main goal of first ACing, one, one was I loved it. I just like, Everybody, like, stresses out about the pressure of it, but I enjoyed it. Like, I liked being a technician. I liked pulling focus. Um, But it also gave me, like, a front row seat to watch some of the best DPs I've ever seen, you know, how they work. And uh, I remember listening to something and someone saying, you know, if you don't feel like you're being challenged anymore in the position you're in, that's it. Like, you need to do something else. And then another buddy of mine was out in Los Angeles, and he was like, he thought it was so bizarre. He's like, how are you ACing and cam oping? He's like, usually, like, you know, out here you've got career first, career ops, blah, blah, blah. So, anyways, it started to kind of weed itself out uh, right actually, I don't remember what year it was. A little bit before COVID. But, anyways, um, yeah, that kind of just transpired into me just opping so today it's it's mostly dp'ing it's a lot of uh commercial products documentaries uh films um and then on the camera op side it's a lot of tv based stuff and uh, a little bit of commercial and uh uh documentary film as well i also forgot to mention i shoot a handful of music videos every year that's awesome. Sure. man.
1: Well, as a fellow DP myself, uh, it's always a good time to connect with other people and just pick their brain to see how they, how they approach, mm-hmm. um, certain projects. And so I got, um, kind of a handful of questions today that really, I just want to, you know, see how you approach things and, and see if we can also add value to, sure. you know, those who are trying to learn as well. But when you work with a new director for the first time, yeah. you know, uh, uh, for a lot of DPS. You know, there can be some level of anxiety and I don't know how this person, you know, how I'm going to work with this person. Mm-hmm. What is your, do, do you have like a formulaic almost approach Yeah. to working with a new director for the mm-hmm. first time? And talk to me about like what that looks like when you step up to a new project with a new
0: director. Okay. So, yeah, that's a good question. And I will tell you most DPs who are starting out and even some DPs who are well-established – first time directors is going to be a thing. Um, I think one thing that's really good is like a conversation with them, like seeing like if the chemistry works, can you even work together? Mm. Um, And then I I don't want to say guiding them through the process, but kind of being someone for them to lean on. I mean, I've always kind of looked at it as a way of, you know, our vision is to, or our, our job is to create their vision, right? Like they may not, completely understand how to explain it. And some of them do some first time directors I've worked with. are phenomenal. Um, But my goal is, is to hopefully get us kind of in a world together, you know, because they've never been there. So typically what I'll like to do is, is it's pretty much the same thing. Establish a relationship, look over the script and I'm like, all right, let's spend some time away from each other. Do you have a shot list? You know, sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Okay. If it's no, if it's yes, who cares? This is kind of like a way for me to, I guess, get us in line. You go do your shot list, whether they've done it or not, because now I've kind of forced them to make one, (laughs) and I'm going to do mine. And let's talk in like a week.
1: And so that's something that I actually wanted to dive into because there's a lot of – there's some gray area, right, in in some director's – want control of the shot list others they want to pass it off to you right um some want to collaborate on it together Mm -hmm. what has been your common experience in even just the shot list creation process
0: like as far as like
1: like as far as do you typically work with a lot of directors that want to collaborate with that on you together do they want Mm -hmm. to give you one and then you can kind of give ideas or did they just assign it to you
0: uh Almost never is it like, hey, this is what's happening. Almost never. Right. There's a project that I'm lined up for right now that it was kind of felt, that's kind of the feeling I'm getting. I was like, I want it shot this way. But it's hilarious. Like, most of our thoughts were almost in sync. Like, yeah. it was like, you know, if we both had a card and we both had Ace of spade and we lifted at the same time. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of thing. But, um, no, most of the time they come in, especially new directors, you know, I want a wide here, two mediums. Uh, an insert or whatever it is, right? Yep. And I look at it and go, why can't we do all that in one shot? Mm. You know? So then, like, a lot of times they're collaborative about it because what they want is to make a movie that looks good. What I want is to make a movie that makes sense, mm. right? So I want, you know, the the feel of the movie to match the, the camera. Um, so, for example, we did a film where it was a, a, a drama and I got the shot list from the director and he had, um, you know, pretty standard coverage in there. And all I could see was, is, well, you know, we could do two mediums here. We could do a wide here and then we could, you know, call it a day or we could, you know, do a really interesting wide and then get a couple close ups when needed because this is not a scene that's going to require all this. So a lot of times that's why it's nice to give that week between because then we can come back start talking about it about it and we're both like oh that's a better idea. Yeah. So
1: dig it man. Yeah, I've had a very similar experience <laughs> where the collaborative process um like I've had stuff where it's like hey this is what we're doing it's like okay yeah. but at that point like they're not using you to help bring your vision to the project you're like a you're a worker bee, you know right. what I mean? Um and so the collaborative process is always something that i've found to be uh the most constructive yep. to the film but that also goes back to the relationship that you have yep. with that director right. and so whenever you're meeting a director for the first time you almost have to build rapport yep. with this person as a um like a like the first step in the process before you even get to the film is you have to create almost a little bit of rapport together. Or at least you do in the process of creating that shot list or that, you know. Well,
0: and yeah, and you're right. And to that point, I've always made this argument to direct them like, look, I like you, we're friends, we're going to have good conversations today. When we get on set, that's where I don't want to say take over, but that's where, you know. I become a different monster. You're going to see me dealing with crew and I'm just, I'm not, there's nothing against anything we're doing. I'm just trying to get your movie done the way you want. Yeah. You know, and it is kind of a thing. It's like, you know, a buddy of mine told me one time, he's like, you got to turn your customer service face on. Yeah. You know, because we're all filmmakers. We're all like aggressive. We all want things done the way we want it. But at the end of the day, somebody's paying us to get this done. Yeah. We need to make sure we do it right. Yeah. Um, And I wanted to add to that too. Um, So you were asking about different directors, how they handle different situations. There is a couple of people I work with, especially in the music video world, where they'll actually send me like a concept. Like, hey, here's what we're trying to establish. Here's what we want the shots to look like. That's it. Like, and then, you know, I'm like, well, let me get a shot list together. We don't want a shot list. Like we know where we're shooting. We know how much time we have. We just want to make it work with the space. Sometimes that's better. It just depends on the people. So, let me jump in because I mean I've directed
2: you know commercials and music videos and I've worked with different DPs, Joey, a lot of the times. So, out of both of you, what do you like more? Do you like because you know I've done it all different ways from where I've written out a shot list, you know, very very rough, like wide tight. uh, You know, I want this coverage over the shoulder, this and that. And then a lot of times I'll turn that over to Joey. He can then, but I'm like, hey, this is a rough out idea outline. And then a lot of times we'll talk through it and chop it up and make shots better. And he'll talk about different types of camera techniques we can do. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's the, I love seeing helping the vision come to life. Right. Um, but would you? What would you guys say is your favorite? Is it like if I just hand you the script or the concept and you go and I'm like, hey, I want to make this dope, and you know, you're in charge of make it. You make the shot list. Do you like uh, the hard outline? It, it sounds like y'all both di- don't like the like. This is exact every single shot, every single movement because it kind of puts you into a box. Yeah. Right. So is there a preference, or does it pin depend on the personality of the director?
1: I think it depends on the project um a little bit and if i'm being 100 percent transparent just how much i even want to do it to yeah. begin with because if i'm really passionate about the idea for the project i'm going to want more creative control over it if it's something that's just like a paycheck and it's like hey if this is what you want and i don't have to put any like creative effort into like making you the director or the client happy i you know it's not going in my reel or whatever it's a job but when i really want to do a project. And I'm really passionate about the project. And you bring me a concept, Mm -hmm. and you say, you know, you're like, what, what can we do for this? I enjoy the process of bringing my ideas to the table uh, and having the director like sign off on that. Because I also don't want to do something that I think is cool that I'm the only one there that you know they're just giving me that, but they don't really believe in it and trust it, you know. Mm. So I, I will say that I I'm not a big storyboard fan. Um, I, I kind of refuse to use storyboards. I like shot lists because it helps me edit the scene, um, or edit the film in my head before I even step on set. And that's something that I'm trying to do. Like, I want to visualize how this thing is going to cut the pacing of it. Like, do I need multiple, you know, angles from this one side because we're going to live on it longer? Just, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I don't, I I like to go to a set and find the shot. I find that I have a better creative output when I am on set finding the moment um, rather than trying to storyboard all this. Oh, the characters on the left third and we have a perfectly framed up, you know, out of focus, bokeh, whatever on the right. (laughs) And it's like, I I just want to find the shot when I'm there, but I like the shot list because it gives structure to how the film will be edited in my head.
0: Mm. What about Jima? Uh, So, some of that I I reflect. Um, Some of it I don't. I'm a pre production monster. Like I want. I I agree with you with storyboards. A lot of times, storyboards to me will get you trapped. Like you know, and the director too. Hey, this is how it's got to look. They're got to be here. This is going to happen in the background. Well, what if the location falls through? Right. Mm -hmm. There's all this stuff that can happen. But I like to walk in with um, at least a shot list ready to go. Have already scouted the location. You know, lighting is already planned out. Like, there's no questions what we're doing here. So if something does go wrong, we can figure it out. Now, with that being said, I don't put everything so concrete that things can't change. Because, you know, let's say like, okay, hypothetically, let's say we're in a location at a different time than when we scouted. And maybe our notes on how the light was going to come through the house was wrong. And happy accident happens. The light looks better. Let's just shift it a little bit. Yeah. Or let's say we planned a dolly shot here. We're gonna dolly push in. It looks weird. Let's change it. You know? Yeah. My ultimate goal is always to give the camera movement what the film calls for. Mm-hmm. Not I I like making cool shots. I yeah. don't like making cool shots just to make cool shots. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my thing on it, if that answered your question.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. And then I what I I think from both of you guys, the flexibility on set is key right because for creatives like you guys you uh but i love hearing both like you want to execute the director's vision and you're going to get it done and you know how to do it um and y'all your approaches are very similar it sounds like just a few differences but what's key i think for directors and stuff to keep in mind is you know the hardest part i think is there's a vision up here right in my head and i'm trying to get joey to see that vision but then sometimes when he's repeating that back, you know, when UDPs are repeating it back, it's even better. And I'm like, oh, that's the that's the yeah. real vision, right? And so having that flexibility not only in pre-pro and in uh, on set is good. I'll just say, as a director on set, that's where it gets really scary because yeah. you go, am I going to make this picture? Are you re- are we seeing the same? film right yeah. as you start to deviate from the plan
0: <laughs> well and that's why i like the like i said earlier the separation time between getting the script getting the shot list and if i can uh, y- you know say this real quick there's a new program that everybody's been using lately called shot deck mm-hmm. Yep, that is super useful as yeah. a matter of fact the last film i shot in december it was funny so going into it producers like i really want to shoot on anamorphic lenses and here's the look i'm going for cool Let's get on shot deck, build our own decks, yep. get back to each other. We were pretty close, but one thing that I noticed because a shot deck was telling me, guess what? He didn't want to shoot on anamorphic lenses. He wanted to shoot on spherical. Mm. Every sing- There was not a single anamorphic shot in his deck. Wow. They were all spherical, all long lens. Wow. So, you know, there's tools to get in sync. And another thing I was going to point out about shot deck and how we don't use storyboards anymore, a lot of times we'll use shot deck images on our shot list. Yep. That way we can look at it. You know, even if you're looking at, sometimes you look at a shot list, it says close up, you know, Sandy walks through door and is greeted by Stan or whoever. That doesn't really make sense. It just says close up. But then you look at the shot deck, you know, image, you're like, Oh, okay. I see what we're trying to do here. It's trying to yeah. be a long lens, like through get the door in the shot a little bit. So anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shot deck. I actually,
1: I know an- enough about it, but I haven't actually utilized it. Um, everyone around me is always pushing me to hop on it and whatnot, but it's it's so similar to storyboarding um that I've always like kind of shied yeah. away from it. Um
0: I think it's better more as a pre-production tool. Yeah. Um especially when a director is trying to get the vision across to yeah. you. Because like, for example, like we shot a movie one time where they wanted a lot of like, really colorful lighting. It was supposed to be like a jazz sequence. Yeah, yeah. And had that director not have something to base that off of, he would have just told me, I just want blue and magenta light in here. Right. Or whatever it is. And I've been like, okay, well, you know, we can do that. But because he was able to give me an example, then I could, you know, figure out how to light the space.
1: Yeah. Um. So whenever you have a director that you're working with and y'all's visions don't align, tell me a... Uh, a time when that's happened or maybe how you approach dealing with a situation when there's a conflict
0: with y'all's visions
1: not syncing up?
0: Uh, Well, he got what he wanted. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I mean, it goes back to, you know, trying to give the director what they want, but also not just doing a cool shot to do a cool shot. Right. Which I'm a little more lenient on music videos with. With films, I'm like, we'll do it if you want, but like, I just don't, like, you want me to set a jib up and do this shot? Because why? Like, you know, so, um, there was an instance where, um, the director wanted to shoot this whole project handheld. And I was like, there's no reason to shoot this handheld. Like none. He said, yeah, but it's gonna be faster. I'm like, okay, you say it's gonna be faster. I say it's not. Right? So, I think we, I don't remember what the compromise of this whole thing was. I'm pretty sure we didn't shoot it handheld because I was able to convince him, like, look, you're letting your concerns take over your wants. And now we're about to damage the product. Mm. You know? And that's kind of the answer at the end of the day. What's the final product? You know, gold. You don't want something else, you know, just because I'm so scared we're going to run out of time. I'm so scared we're going to do this or that. Like, look, those things are going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it, Mm, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's good, man. Um, One of the other things that I
1: wanted to jump into and discuss is kind of going back to that pre-production process. You've said you're a pre-production monster. Tell me what your, your process looks like early on in how you prep. And kind of, you know, determine the look of the film and the camera choices, the lens choice, the script breakdown, like what's your process look like?
0: All right. So number one thing is the shot list, trying to figure out what the director wants as far as the look, you know, sometimes it's a real edgy look. Sometimes it's not, you know, usually we go in and do the shot deck stuff and then scouts. Oh my gosh, I want to scout. If I can't scout, I want you to give me as much details about the location as possible. And honestly like as much as I hate to say it, like if there's not enough money for for pre-production, we'll figure it out whether you just pay a per diem, whether it's a half day, I don't know. It's more important to me that we do double the amount of prep than we you know shoot a movie without any. And so shot list, shot deck Several meetings going through the script. Like, I want answers as to why this character thinks this way. You know, why is this character doing this? What are you feeling the motion should be? You know, then getting in the location so that way we can figure out if our shots even work. Because what I've found is, is if you don't do your scout and then you just have a shot list, like, your shots won't work without knowing the location. And then, you know, of course, uh, tech scouting, making sure we can power lighting. I usually then... Uh, once we know the lighting can be powered is, you know, find out. Gaffers always ask me the same thing. You know, can you find out where the, if they're not able to make it, where the outlets to every location were, where's the breaker box at? Like, is there a spot to hide a generator if we have to hide a generator? Um, are we going to be intruding on other part of production's world? Um, so once I know all that out, uh, figure that out, we got our shots, we got our, uh, our location figured out we know what camera we're going to use, what lenses we're going to use. Then we start doing the nitty gritty. We'll break out the lighting diagrams and me and the gaffer, or excuse me, the gaffer and I will work together to figure out, Hey, what lights are going to work here? Cause there's been a lot of times where, you know, got on set and I'm sure you've had this happen too. I'm like, I want this light here doing this. And the gaffer's like, no, (laughs) straight up. There was a film we were working on one time and I, I'm not going to get into why he said this would happen, but there was a specific scenario I called for with a very big hot light. And he told me no. And I was like, that's what I want. He's like, you're going to set that, uh, uh, fabric on fire. Mm. Like you'll set a 12 by on fire. If you do that, I could do it faster and better if you just let me. So yeah. that's why the diagrams become a good thing. Cause we can talk that out ahead of time. Be like, hey, you know, I want a four K bounce it off this into this window, yeah. and he can we can work that out.
1: So that's you bring up a good point too with the gaffer that um, <clears throat> I'm curious how your approach is. There are some DPs that are very specific as to what light they want through what specific fabric at what specific distance, and that is how things are going. Yeah. Um, but then at that point, like the gaffer is really just there as an extra grip. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. What is your approach even with working with your gaffer and your key grip um, in terms of, like, flexibility to execute your lighting vision? Do you kind of, you know, lean on them to execute something easier or are you more particular with how, like, which specific lights to achieve a specific
0: effect? (laughs) Well, it depends on how mad I've made them. Yeah. (laughs) yeah so to answer that question I usually usually will do first thing I do when I get on set with um, the lighting and grip team is we'll walk the 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 scenes out like this scene's happening here this one's here yada 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 um and then I'll explain based off the diagram here's what I'm thinking like is gonna work do you think this is gonna still work yeah or no that's a stupid idea and then we have a it's a, usually a pretty good conversation. Nobody's angry, you know, unless I stick my foot in the mud. I want it this way. Um, typically, we work it out. There is some times where, you know, I might be like, ah, I just think you're just trying to take the easy route out because right. it's easier. Right. But then I also have to consider the fact that I hired this person because I know their ability is there. Yeah. Also, some of these people I've been working with for the last almost, you know, seven, eight years, they – They know what I want. Right. I don't really have to explain it that hard. Like, I want soft key here, you know? Um, So, yeah, I would say it's kind of a mix of both. I mean, you know, there's situations where I want to do big, massive lighting, right? But the subject's not moving and they're sitting in one spot. Like, why? Like, you know, and then um, there was this one project where, you know, this is another reason that you listen to your gaffers, just to be clear. So, we are shooting this film. There was an insane amount of lights for literally, like, one angle. Like, we had them keyed. We had them filled. We had an edge light. We had a a room light. We had light coming through the windows. I think there was a total of 13 lights on this one shot. And we had them flip all this lighting for the reverse, and then he's like, can we just get the camera up first? I'm like, well, no, we need to get started on it now before we get there. Well, about half of that wasn't in the shot. And he was like, man, he gives they give me crap about that every time we work He says, you remember that beautiful shot that we lit? Dude, it was so gorgeous. I wish it would have been in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that hurts, man. Yeah, I and, you know, that's
1: part of, like, the growing, like, process of a DP, too, is, like, you have to make certain calls yeah. that especially, like, I, you know, I'm guilty of doing it, you know, especially earlier on, and I'm not going to say that I, you know, haven't ever botched it even nowadays, <laughs> but it's like you try to be so ahead of like making sure that production doesn't fall behind yeah. that you wind up introducing unnecessary work yeah. or if you had just done something in a different order yeah. that you would have realized something isn't necessary or that something is necessary that wasn't there when you flipped the world um like there's oh a wall of glass behind me I didn't realize that I yeah. could have had you know the whole team rig up all these different negative fills to cut these reflections down, and just little things that you don't think about, but you learn along the way. Um, and so I'm guilty of of that as well, man. So
0: well, and to that point, something that I've I have to basically, you know, hit myself in the head about every time is before I start coming up with ideas, I'm like, just put the camera up, yeah, find the shot first, right? Because. It's so easy to walk in there with the light meter and everything and be like, oh, we're going to light it this way, and the shot's going to be like this. You don't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's part of like, you know, one, to your point, the tech scout is so important, but, um, man, you can know how to light a room all you want, but you never really, really, really know until you see someone sit down and see how all the natural ambience and everything is really affecting them. So,
0: And I used to be really bad, too, about like, Getting the assistant to yeah. jump in the seat and, like, let me light using them as a stand-in. Yeah. Not the same height, same color. Yeah. You know, there's a hundred different things that you. the next right. person walks in there, and you're like, dang. yeah,
1: I'm screwed up. Man, I—and it's such a—and <clears throat> I'm curious how you approach this, because so often, like, it is always best to light to the talent if you have the option but so often that's not the option that you like, you have to light a stand in. Um, and I find so often that, you know, the, their, their face structure creates unwanted shadows. Like Mm -hmm. I've lit to this other person that has different cheek structure or, you know, now now there's bags under their eyes and it's like, or their skin complexion, the highlight roll off isn't the same. And, you know, all these different factors, uh, how do you balance that? Do you just like have them sit in and then you're like, all right, well now I need to relight. <laughs> you know
0: what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I usually do that. I usually get it as close to possible. Yeah. And, um, I tend to shoot on the side of error. you know, so we'll over light it a little bit yeah. and then we'll start bringing it back down. And again, that's why it's important to work with a gaffer because if you get sometimes like to your point, you're like, I want this specific, uh, fixture, The specific lamp. Um, Well, you may have just put the gaffer in a situation where you have to swing a light. Like, okay, this light's not big enough. we got to get a bigger light now. Where, you know, know, if you're telling them ahead of time, hey, here's what's about to happen. This might get smaller. Okay, great. Well, we'll put the big light, and then we'll be prepared to scrim it as many times as we have to to get it where it needs. Now, that sucks, but that's a lot easier than saying, let's put a, you know, I don't know a little 150 when we need like an M 18 or something (laughs) like, you know, so
1: we're going to need 30.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: that's cool, man. So tell me a little bit about just some, like some cool projects that you've gotten to work on, um, recently and kind of some of the cool stuff that you're looking forward to working
0: on. So in this, I shot a couple of things in the, in the late fall, early spring that were pretty cool. Oh, in the summer too, I shot, um, like a handful of short films that I think are some of my favorite films I've shot. Just like visually, we got to play with them and do what we wanted. Um, I shot uh, a music video in December that did really well, and that guy has now been picked up by a bigger record label. Awesome, man. And they called me to shoot the second video in Marfa was the plan. I think it was supposed to happen this week, but then they were like, we're going to push it because politics and they're like, you know, if it does better, we're yeah, they're talking tripling the budget. Yeah. Uh coming up, um, I got a bunch of stuff happening. Like uh I got a call like not too long ago and it was like, hey, uh two high profile artists want to shoot music videos. Like we're ready to go. Oh, and by the way, there's a feature film as well. It's like totally separate thing, but all of that's in the work, a documentary that we're working on. It's beautiful, um,
1: man. Congrats.
0: Thank you. And then what was the other thing? Oh, the pi- uh, pilot for a TV show.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot in the pipeline right now, yeah, especially so that's a, for pre-pro. <laughs> yeah, there's
0: a lot happening, and luckily it's all staggered out, so yeah. it's not like, you know. But I'm getting to the point right now where I'm like, okay, we're going to handle this project, and then go shoot a project, and then handle the next project. So uh, luckily, the directors of all of these are very involved so I've been getting lots of stuff like you know on my end I'm not having to do as much yet yeah Um, I mean I even one of these projects I even got like a it's like an animation of what the entire film will look like wow so wow that's awesome man super super cool shot deck on uh, steroids there huh yeah Yeah. he sent it to me and was like here's what I'm thinking and I'm like oh (laughs) Well, this well, is the great. Film's made. Yeah. We <laughs> <laughs> no, just gotta put AI on <laughs> it. Right, 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 right.
1: <laughs> we had a conversation back in the day too, uh, on some just thoughts that you were having at the time uh about joining the union. Mm-hmm. Have you thought further on that and kind of made a decision one way or another on if you want to go union or not?
0: Uh a little bit. Um, I'm still in the process. Um I'm pretty much at the step now. I've already reached out to some friends who are in and said, hey, what do I need to do? Because I'm a little confused other than just, you know, going on the website, trying to figure it out. I've got the conversation, or excuse me, the the uh, information to talk to um, a representative. Um, I just need to start finishing, or excuse me, I need to finish gathering all of my materials together because they want call sheets. But and
1: all it that is stuff. the plan yeah.
0: still. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm at the point now where, you know, i want i don't necessarily want that credibility but it would be nice to be able to put that on my name just to help me establish a little bit against some of the other people it might also make me lose some jobs too because like oh yeah. lo- you know there's a union attached to this i don't want to be a part of it right but um what i've found is from working with union camera people and being involved in those you know sets is that things just seem to be handled a little better for the crew you know you don't get into these situations as often sometimes you still do where they're like oh we're gonna work you 16 hours a day and not give you a lunch and you know there's just a lot of guidelines that i think i'm appreciative of you know especially being a father where you know it keeps me safe it keeps me you know not having to worry if i have somewhere to sleep tonight you know just stuff like that
2: yeah Oh, so uh, not like the music video that I uh, yeah. first met Michael on. <laughs> I, I got to tell this story since we're, I feel like this is a good segue. So, uh, you know, we first, I first met Michael. Uh, I was doing a, uh, I was producing and directing a, a music video. Uh, and I had Joey as DP and we were looking for a gaffer and first AC. Uh, long story sh- short, he came on the project, was a tremendous help because he knew what he was doing and, and uh, helped get us through a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of issues. Um, That was on this uh, uh, film set, but that was definitely one of those sixteen-hour days. We had like a two-hour drive home at night. Um, You know, that was earlier in our uh, production career. I was Um, Shane produced that project, but uh, but it turned out (laughs) it turned out really good. Yeah, and now you know we even uh, we even you know I'm a father myself now, and it's like I'm not working. I mean, I like where's the eight and ten-hour days at? I don't you know twelve is. That's
0: past my bedtime. Well, and I'll tell you, the the hard moment for me to kind of segue off of that with the kids was I was on a shoot out of town somewhere, and I had been gone for a couple of days, and I finally was able to FaceTime my wife, and my son is all like, you know, where are you at? What are you doing? I'm like, oh, man, I just want to go home. Yeah. But, um, but <clears throat> that project wasn't that bad, like, in all honesty, like it could have been a lot worse. You could have been like, oh, there's lightning strike in the ground? I mean, let's just go. It's yeah. going to be fine, you know? Um, it, you know...
2: It, <sighs> we just breathed in hey, a little asbestos. Hey, uh, <laughs> future crew members working with Shane, uh, he said... The ringing endorsement from Michael Bradley
0: is, (laughs) it's not, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, and that's another. No one died. No one died. But, you know, and that's part of the hard part of us being in Texas, too, is like, and this is an issue with every out-of-state producer that calls me. They're like, hey, we need you for a local shoot. Oh, where's it at? Oh, it's in El Paso. Can you make it there this afternoon? Uh, not a chance. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> know? you know how big Texas is? <laughs> yeah. like So That's in it. that point, I mean, the location called for us to be there. Right. You know? yeah.
2: Right. Well, and, you guys crushed it. It was great to have you on that. And then later we got to work together on uh, Washington's Armor. I feel like we've done a few other things. I can't remember, but definitely uh, Washington's Armor. Spent um, a lot of time on that one together. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we did
0: in the mud in the, and mud, the water in the trenches technical difficulties I, I tell people all the time they're like, like you ever watch a movie and you see like how intense it looks yeah well it's cause it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> that
2: rain scene man getting yeah. that rain scene I was underneath the uh, so fun the, that rain tarp and the gimbal and that oh, yeah. motor heating up so I was in my own little sweat lodge plus your feet are filled with water and i mean it was that whole thing was incredible miserable. that's we can clip that in but uh <laughs> roll the wanna, tape roll the
1: tape Someone want to ask you guys both as fathers how has having kids impacted uh your approach to just filmmaking in general like are there things now that you just straight up won't do that you i mean obviously like they become the priority but like how do you feel in your own words has Mm. having them impacted you as a filmmaker.
0: I'll let Michael go first on this. (laughs) Uh, So when my son was born, well, actually before he was born, I started to realize some of these sketchy documentaries and stuff that I've been on, they got to stop. Like I was working on a project where there was a concern of being shot. Like like, there was a concern. And I remember telling the producer, I'm like, I love you, I want to finish this project. But safety is, you know, not that it wasn't a concern. It was just the, 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 uh, the story. It, this is yeah. the world we were in. I was like, these things I have to take in consideration. Safety precautions I had to take into consideration. You know, I don't want to get shot by an accidental gun going off or something. Um, but then also, it made me more hungry. Mm. Like. Like I was talking to my wife about this the other day. Like I always, you know, set five-year goals and stuff like that. Hey, I want to be here in five years or, you know, you know, just that next to somebody I, I know from the industry. Where are they at? How do I get to that point? Um, it made me realize I was talking to my wife, I was like, you know, when he's 18 and people ask, What did my dad do or does? Like, oh, he's a filmmaker. No, I want him to be very clear. My dad did this, mm. you know, not like, oh, my dad, you know, kind of set some things over to raise the kids. Like, you know, this is a career I've chosen and I'm going to take my family with me. So I'm not going to, you know, take my foot off the gas a little bit. I'm trying to like, so that was actually part of the reason too. Like I I started slowing down on ACing more because I was like, I don't want to, you know, nothing against ACs. They're phenomenal career ACs, but it's always been a means to an end, so to speak. And I feel like I want that, journey to end and for my kids to see me progressing if that makes sense
1: i love that so much like that is it it's really cool to hear that because I, I feel like it is commonly the opposite where it's like my kid came in i wanted to be more involved and yeah and, and there's nothing wrong with that no either. no
0: not at all and it's, and sorry not to cut you off but i want to be very clear with anybody who's a filmmaker and a father there is no right answer on how you do that it's hard i mean even i remember when y'all first went back on washington's armor my son was uh like three months old or something like that and Mm -hmm. i was like i can't do it like i can't leave my wife in that scenario Mm -hmm. and you know so if you're a father and a filmmaker and you're trying to make something out of this it'll work you just have to find your route yeah you know that's good man
2: yeah, I mean, I, I I echo pretty much all what you said, man. I mean, I agree, and I th- and I like what you said about no right answer because I'm in a season right now with my kid, you know, Kaya. She's about to turn one, which is super <laughs> exciting. Out. That's awesome. Uh, next month. But the but the same thing, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to go do a, a 14 or 21 day away. Yeah. I, I This is such an important stage that I want to – be there for my kid but that's not always the answer or the case either right um and so like i am super selective now i would have said yes on on projects where now i probably say no um but my career has changed a bit too you know i was camera team and all that stuff and really i've moved into entrepreneurship and producing and you know directing a few things here and there but i go back to the i share that same fear of uh it's the it's the value i guess of your life yeah i think because i i too like i was doing a documentary in india for three years we would travel um you know gone for 10 days it's a 20 plus hour flight um i was i broke off and did a subcontract thing for another little doc piece got in some sketchy situations i went to south america and and shot uh, at um uh san pedro soul the murder capital of the world yeah. you know and was just like oh it's you know guys walking around with ak's and we're filming <laughs> yeah. and and now i'm like no way i got you yeah. know like i want yeah. to do it so i think uh it definitely does set some different boundaries for you um uh not only in okay i've got to you know one i got to get out there and provide for my kid and, yeah. and i love the thing about that's not only just providing for them but it's like oh, yeah, my dad created this. He did this, right? Yeah. It's like leaving a legacy for them yeah. to be proud of as well.
0: Well, too, if I don't do anything in my career, and he's like, hey, I want to be a filmmaker, well, great, well... And my son, just to be clear, I've said this to my wife every time, if they decide to become cinematographers, oh, they'll be 10 times better than I could have ever 100%. been. Just because they're getting free school from me. Yeah, but, right? But, I mean, that's a thing. You're
1: welcome. And, you're yeah.
0: welcome. And, um, you know, it's it's... It is that thing of I want my kids to, you know, see something that makes it exciting, makes it fun, you know, and this, the sketchy part of it too, that, you know, that's just part of it, you know, especially in the indie world. There's so many things that just, uh, we probably shouldn't do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but we're gonna, <laughs> but we're gonna, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, heck, like, even like I've heard this. Argument all the time about how if you've got a camera stuck to your shoulder and you're looking at a monitor and you're afraid of heights, well, you can still ride on the side of a helicopter (laughs) because you're not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And that happens time to time. But I mean, so to your point, yeah, that's hard. Like when that first year they're born, oh, dude, it's so hard to think of doing anything. Now that he's two, I mean, he's bad, but (laughs) (laughs) but uh, I can think about going away a little bit. But again, now I've got a four month old today and he is congrats no man. thanks yeah. he's getting chunky and long uh, <laughs> he's uh he's cute but i think about those things too you know i've now got a wife at home dealing with children one was hard enough now i've got you know one that can't walk one that does anything but walk just run you know those yeah. are things you got to think about
1: man that yeah. is so i and y'all are getting me excited so jo- right So now. Joey, <laughs> yeah, get ready, man, because
2: because at first it's just you have to weigh the, yeah. you know, you have to weigh the job and the wife, right? And the, the wife, he says, you know, are you gonna be gone for fourteen or ten or twenty or whatever it is, right? But now it's that plus now the kids that you're weighing it and you're going, oh man, I'm gonna be gone for 10, ten, fourteen, twenty, one, yeah, and but, you
0: gotta weigh it all out. But to that point too, I mean, it's not that you sometimes you can work this out where they can come with you, and that doesn't always work, but I yeah. mean. I have a job coming up where I told my wife, I'm like, just y'all come with me. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't want to intrude on anything. What are you intruding on? The hotel room's already bought, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm shooting the project. There's a car. Yeah. like You'd be safer near me right. than something happened over right. here, and I've got to fly back. Yeah, yeah. So. and your kids can be in the movie. And they could be in the movie, yeah, yeah. yeah. like yours,
2: <laughs> yeah. Kaya actually, I uh, threw, you know, friends. Uh, i credits already. Yeah, Kaya, <laughs> Kaya was on a film, played baby Jesus. Oh, really? And uh, made, I saw that made more money than I could in, in the time that she was on set. I was like. Man, she's already crushing it. She had
0: to work about that much of the time and didn't even have to open her mouth. Yeah, Yeah, that's
2: great. That's so awesome, man. So I got a couple
1: more questions before we wrap us out of here, but are there any, like, newer emerging trends that you're seeing in the film, like, industry that are really exciting you
0: right now? Trends. I mean, all of this uh, LED, the LED wall stuff is pretty interesting how that's going to, I mean, all the things that I've seen is just you're really able to do a lot and it's it's funny because it's it's not visual effects so it's practical yeah. so you're able to do a lot and really get away with a lot have you had the
1: opportunity to work in a volume
0: no i've i've yeah. seen a I've been to a studio and watched a, a test of how it works yeah um and it's it's crazy just to wrap my head around <clears throat> I don't know if I would like it to be mm. honest just because i like being on location and i don't actually
1: like shooting green screen right. for the exact same reason because it i mean one it's harder uh but two like it there's a disconnect there's a between disconnect. the reality um that you're actually trying to capture and it you know w- sometimes it's a necessary evil but at the same time i don't like
0: doing it and i right you know, well they, and it, but oh. if we shoot all handheld we can go faster Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well but it's for the actors too yeah because you put them in the space it's not real right they can't react off of it you know right. so uh, you know uh, and that's what's
1: so impressive about all these superhero movies that they're doing where oh, it's like dude. I can't imagine yeah. trying like and, and you know that room is like totally quiet and they're doing the most like cringy looking yep. like motions uh, with you know it's I, and they're trying to make it so belie- I don't know man I it, just can't that's yeah. why they get paid the big bucks Yeah.
0: Well, and you hear a lot of stories from people who've worked on those movies being like, I'm not even going to watch it. Because they don't understand it. Right. Like, I don't know. I don't think I would enjoy it too much. Um, You know, and then, of course, there's the ever-changing trends of filters and lenses. Like, it's funny, you know, it used to be this thing, like, I want the sharpest, cleanest image out there. Now I want the opposite. I want to make this image look bad. Yeah. I'm... Uh, I go back and forth on that argument. I really, yeah. honestly, the more I look at it, the more things I watch that I like. I think I want as clean as clear as an image. Like um, it's a stylistic choice. It's a stylistic choice, yeah. and actually, you know, we've been people have been shooting on Pro Mist yep. and diffusion filters for a while now. And I was listening to something the other day. And people are saying those are starting to even kind of fall off. People are starting to get tired of the. Um, the halation, halation, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's something too that I've
1: been feeling a shift in the market with Pro Mist, yeah. and even me, like I, I have them, I use them on a lot of projects that I, I, I have super sharp glass, and so yeah. a lot of times I will slightly diffuse, you know, just for skin tones yeah. and stuff like that, especially for interviews, like just makes people in the corporate space look a lot prettier, you know. Oh, yeah. for...
0: <laughs> no offense, but. no, 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 no. You're, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, you're using a what a red camera, and you've got this. You know, super sharp lens on it. It looks like you could see, you know. All of their pores. All of their yeah. pores. There's nothing wrong with putting a Light Pro Mist on right. it. Right. I actually saw a, a thing yesterday. A buddy sent me. Um, somebody has apparently uh, created a, a uh, adapter that you can put on the back of a lens that gives you a variable uh, mm-hmm. filtration system. Yep. So you can actually take, let's say, a Zeiss or a Sigma. Sigma's fairly sharp. And put um, this on it. And you can now use a Sigma that matches like a K35. Yeah. And you can dial in the amount of... It's crazy. ...stuff. So, I don't know. I think there's about to be a, a drastic change, you know, as well as how easy some color grading and effects software has gotten, yeah. too. I think you're going to see people are going to start, uh, you know, going back on, okay, we're going to do all this in camera, and we might try to do it in post a little bit. Mm. So, you know, that's my thought. That's interesting. Yeah, I... Even just going back to the
1: filters piece, like I just got back from NAB and the amount of companies and vendors that were there that are selling new competitive filtration, uh, both rear, you know, rear filtration and front filtration and all the different, you know, effects that you can achieve. Um, there's a huge push towards it right now, but yeah. I'm feeling like the shift in everything not being so much about the pro mist anymore. Uh, and it being king and then also just seeing also all of the new like AI like editing software yeah. that's out there that's doing all the work for you. It's wild, man.
0: Yeah, the AI thing scares me. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've had some serious conversations with friends of mine who work in the technology field and they're just like, man, this is going to be fast. Yeah. Like I had a buddy one time. He had shown me some exam. He was working on a children's book, like a moving image style. Yeah. but It was supposed to be a book. It was like a film, right? Yeah. And he showed me these images supposed to take place in, like, the Dust Bowl or something. I'm like, dude, where'd you find all this? He's like, oh, they're fake. They're 100% AI. And I could not tell you. Yeah. And then he starts showing me how quickly he was able to teach it. Yeah. And uh, he's like, in six months. At this time, he said in six months, this will become so scary real that it could take over things. Yeah. Not like, you know, the world, but like, you know, starting parts of our industry. That was, like... Three months ago, we had that conversation, and some of the things that we're talking about today, like I've seen, you know, people take South Park or something and making it look like a real image and turn into a seventy sitcom. Yeah, I'm just like, dude, this is kind of scary. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of exciting at the same time, but it, there's
1: definitely uh, some some mixed feelings in terms of like the future of all of that. Um, I got one last question for you, and then we'll jump into our final five. Um, but in your opinion, apart from you know, just making stuff look pretty. What makes somebody a good DP, in your
0: opinion? Communication. Pre- communication and prep. Like, again, like, if you plan it out really well and you everybody goes in there, like, it's just like a sports team. When they walk into, like, you know, let's say hockey or basketball or, or football is probably a better example – They've already got plays ready to go and then they have a play ready if that play doesn't work. There's no there's nothing different than what we're doing. So walking in there they're just being like, "Oh, you know, I've seen DPs that are really good. Their stuff is really pretty." But then you like work with them, you're just like, "They don't know what they're doing. They're just like throwing it together as they go." So preparation and communication because the more you can communicate clearly with everybody around you, be able to explain what you want, what they want. what If something's not working for you, just own up. Be like, this is not working. I need help. That's going to make you a better
1: DP. That's good, man. Mm. That's so good. You got to have the humility to lean on your team. Yeah. Because there's an expectation that comes with you being in that seat and like everyone expects you to be able to drive this train successfully. Yeah. And there are times when there are hangups and being able to rely on your team and having the humility to be like, all right, what do I do, guys? Like, you know, you don't want that to be the case, like, all the time, but there is time when you have to lean on your crew, so.
0: Well, and it's collaborative. You know, like, there was an argument I had with somebody, or I didn't have with this person, but they were talking about, you know, like, set designers. Like, set designers work their butts off to make a film look pretty but then you want to shoot it wide open right and it's like give them give them some credit for what they do this is collaborative you know like yeah yeah
1: so it's good man bump the t-stop up a little bit bump the, yeah. just
0: give the focus pull a little help here
1: <laughs> i i actually aced a job not that long ago and the dp was shooting a moving person that was, you know, maybe 12 feet away from me, moving into about, you know, five or six feet away from me. And he wanted to shoot it on T one point three. And I was like, dude, like it when they're standing still, their eye isn't even in focus. Like you know how this is gonna look right now. And it was like on like a 85 or or something where I was like, there, there is no chance that I'm gonna be able to hit this from point A to point B for you. Like, AI could not hit this if they wanted to. It's just not happening.
2: I know the exact DP because yeah. I've ACed for this DP, and it's the exact same shot, exact same lens, and uh T-stop. That's yeah, funny. it
1: was rough, man. It was really rough. So, anyway, don't do not do that to your ACs, the other DPs. I
0: try not to, and that's another thing. If the AC's like, hey, I can't do this, or hey, you got to stop down, speak up. Yeah. Like, that's a to any ACs out there, when I was ACing, and Let's say you had a shot with four people in it, and they're not on the same plane. Bring it up to them because they're going to say, "Well, that person was out of focus a little bit." It was like because they're like a foot in front of the other person, right? Yeah, please go to five six. Please, just anything but where you're at. Anything but
1: one eight. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome, man. Well, bro, we appreciate your insight and just chopping it up. I always feel like uh, I'm starting to feel like this podcast is just an opportunity for me to get my friends together. So we're forced to talk and hang <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> well, is anybody speak, or, you know, out there listening to this, uh, that's really what this yeah. is because we've texted back and forth. Hey, you want to meet up this week? <laughs> oh, wait, I can't. I got to yeah. go out of town. <laughs> we've
1: been trying to get a beer for like two years now. <laughs> yeah, And it is what it is. That's awesome, man. Well, we got five questions before we wrap you out of here that we want to ask all of our filmmaking. Friends, and my first one up for you, bro, is if you could go back and do your filmmaking journey differently, what is one thing that you would change and do different if you had the chance to do it all over again, man?
0: Oh,
1: it's funny. I think we need to like shift that question down to the bottom because we're like, hey, we got like five quick questions, and then we just like, <laughs> boom, like it's a big bomb. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a big bomb, yeah, a big yeah, bomb yeah, yeah. Like right big at
1: the bomb. But uh, I'm I'm sticking with it, man. If you could go back and do it all over again,
0: yeah. I don't know. I, there was this gap of time in my career where I took a hiatus because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I guess that's the only thing I think I would have changed. I think I would have just been like figure it out a little bit. Yeah. Um, other than that, like I feel like I've for the most part gotten to do what I wanted. Maybe left the state. Mm. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Well, I mean that's good.
1: I mean I think there's a lot of. I feel like I most filmmakers that I know. Have taken some sort of leave at, you know, during their career. Not all of them, but it happens to a lot of people, and you know, it's the name of the game.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, so to talk about that just for a quick second, you know, I thought that you had to go to high school, then go to college, get a four year degree, and then you could become a, a full time video person somewhere. Which that's just not the case. Yeah. So that period between high school and me turning i don't know let's say 21 that area of time was a little bizarre because i didn't really 100 percent know what i was doing until all of a sudden i was doing it 100 percent the
1: same scenario for me man I, mine was uh like i was going to college for business when i first started and i was like well i'm just gonna get all my basics out of the way and then i was like i'm not doing that and then <laughs> uh wound up going to school for filmmaking and i just kind of happened you know i don't want to say it just kind of happened but like it was here before i knew it yeah um and now like college like getting prepared for the industry was a weird time in life for yeah. sure
0: yeah yeah we don't
1: have to talk about it yeah <laughs> there's a yeah. whole other
2: podcast that yeah. uh we've done is is film school worth it i think joey uh yeah <laughs> we trauma can re- <laughs> we can send uh people to that Oh, uh, we yeah. had we had differing views but uh, both yeah. sides both sides
1: for sure what is one thing uh, about the current film industry market right now that excites you?
0: The tech, well, the technology, I mean, you're like, I was listening to some of the, some uh, people talking about, they worked on 1917, just talking about how the technology was not there yet for that film. And just some of the obstacles that they were able to go, you know, overcome to make that movie. And it's technology. Like, we're now being able to utilize you know with the with digital and you know you know uh, wireless video and all this stuff like we're able to like utilize things outside of even our industry and like uh uh professions outside of our industry to do things that i never thought we'd be able to do it's pretty wild
2: it's so crazy man if you think about it like you know technology and new gear for film used to take decades we're so spoiled now right like remember when, like, The Shining made you know Steadicam yep. like a big deal, and it it was such a slow process for that to evolve. And now it's like every month there's a new piece of gear coming out that's the modified, newer, updated version yeah. of the of the one before, right. right? And it's insane. It's what a great time to be in filmmaking because of technology.
0: Well, like, let's take a gimbal for example. That is like, I'm not a big gimbal person, just walking with it, but that thing is so useful. For yeah. so many things, yeah, like put it on a jib, put it on a car, put it on a, a dolly, like y- you know, they people would have wanted that years ago, and they couldn't. They just had to figure out a way to make it steady.
1: And, well, and the tech on that has evolved so much, even in the last like five years. Yeah, like when I first started, like operating glide cams and and stuff like that. They weren't a thing. No. They, the big boys that were like 10 grand or yeah. whatever at the time and not popularized or mainstream yet. Like you had to work on big movies. Yeah. And even then techs were few and far between. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the technology for gimbals has gone through the roof in the last like seven years, uh, five to seven years and, and really the last like three years it, they, they keep just going once the Ronin-S came out I was just it, you know the, it's just been everyone's trying to compete with that you know
0: well I remember when the Ronin-2 came out I was like well everybody said it was heavy but all I remember thinking the first time I used it was like this is so useful like how quickly we can move it like I remember I was on a shoot one time they had a, a crane that the thing was connected to And they're like, we got to move this crane to the other side of the set, and then we've got to rebalance it for the shot. I could rebalance it while they were moving it because it was that easy. And that's that is light years ahead of like you know the very first Ronin that came out where you could do everything right and it just gave up. So
1: you know, yeah, yeah, man. The 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 place that we're at right now with current technology is. I feel like part of the generation that has been spoiled even just by being able to be in the digital age. Cause I started on mini DV tapes and then went to mini DVDs and now like, Oh, we're in digital. Like what a time to be alive. We're not splicing stuff or transcoding in real time uh, anymore. But even now, like the new up and coming generation has so many more tools than even I had just like even 10 years ago. Um, And so it's, it, it's it's a really it makes it more competitive because the bar to entry almost keeps getting lower. Oh yeah, but, but I like the competition. Like I oh, like yeah. that there's more filmmakers. I like that there's more content being created. there's more of a demand for content. It's a fun time to be a filmmaker for sure.
0: Yeah, well, and what you what I think I've realized is this these new DPs or new you know younger kids that come in trying to do all this stuff, like you said, like they could pull their iPhone out and they're already ahead of what we were right. when we were sixteen. Oh, hundred percent. And uh they're gonna you're gonna watch them like slowly, like, well, how do you do that? You know, those grand, beautiful shots. Yeah. Well, you gotta learn the equipment.
1: What is one piece of advice that you can give to filmmakers trying to grow in their tra- in their craft or their business right now? Hmm.
0: You know, probably, you know, if you have like a a system that works for you, a process, don't change any of it just because someone tells you you have to. If it's, even if you're not seeing the same level of success as someone else does, that doesn't mean that what they're doing is the same thing you're doing. You know, I used to look at how other people shot and, you know, the stuff that they did. I'm like, oh man, that's so cool. They get these big jobs with these cool looking, you know, images. I'm like, but that's not even the same thing I'm doing. So trust your process and just like, enjoy the ride yeah that's
1: that's actually um plays into why i made the jump from final cut pro to premiere it's just because of like almost that comparison that oh the industry's over here i'm getting left behind and i'm like everyone there's still so many people that use final cut pro and it's like it's just a different way to execute yeah and and stuff and so it's that was just why i made the jump initially and now uh, final cut is the enemy because I've learned Premiere so well.
0: <laughs> well, and to your point, you know, that was how I felt about switching to DaVinci. Yeah. You know, I've I still have Premiere on my computer, but it just sits there and cries crashes. to itself. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was about
2: to say everybody's going to DaVinci now. Oh, so Joey, if you're, you're if you're
0: not if you're not the tools start. on there
1: are just unbelievably useful, man. I I've been diving into it and I don't really edit like a ton anymore. Right. Um but it makes me want to get back into it just because I, I watch all the tutorials on it and I'm like, I just want to like mess with this program and just play with all these tools and everything. It's so exciting, man.
0: The color grading is like the, basically the only reason I got in there. Yeah. Cause I, I, you know, now I can build my own LUTs. I can go in there and, you know, like let's say at the end of a shoot week, I can go in there a day real quickly, just throw some, uh, looks on some of the shots that we were doing and get them back the next morning to the crew and be like, hey, guys, this is working. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? <laughs> yeah. So where are we as an industry headed in filmmaking right now, and what should we all be focusing on?
0: Oh, I don't know. You know, it, it changes year to year. Because when COVID hit, I thought, oh, we're going to streaming. Everything's going to be streaming. There's going to be more work than we can see Now I'm not so sure about that. I think people are trying to go back to the movies. I think that what we are doing is creating more jobs than we've ever seen before because now like every small company can find a way to get video, you know, or you can make your own stuff and put it on YouTube or you can go work on a movie that, you know, is either distributed or uh, has distribution lined up or is for a studio or is independent or I don't know. Like I feel like in the next ten years, the competition is going to be stronger because there is going to be more people seeking these out. But I think there is going to be more opportunities than we've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I I think that there is more demand than ever before to match the competition. Yeah, that is surrounded by us. And so while there is more filmmakers, there is also more jobs.
0: Well, you know, case in point, you know, one of the jobs that I was signed on or I am signed on for, when they called me, they were like, hey. We got a script. It's already funded. It's already distributed. We haven't even shot it. Yeah. And it's like, how does that, like, you would have never heard of this kind of conversation on an independent level. On a right. studio movie, sure, that would happen. But on a very small budgeted yeah. film, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. That's wild, man. Well, I got one more question for you uh, before we wrap you out of here. Who is one filmmaker that you admire and why? I oh.
0: can't say Roger Deakins. <laughs> <laughs>
1: P.S. Are you going to see him in DFW? Yeah. Oh. I have tickets to the Blade Runner too. Uh, I had a feeling that you'd be there. <laughs> had a feeling you'd be there, but who is one other filmmaker besides Deacons that you admire?
0: Man, I don't know. I don't really have like a like a specific person. Like, that's a hard question. Um I really don't know. That's fine. I, I I can't answer that. And the reason I can't answer that question is because I have a like a specific amount of people that I look at for specific things. You know, obviously Roger Deakins is one of those. Yeah. Because I like his theory. You know. On the other hand, I like other DPs um, the way that they shoot, the way they handle a movie, certain directors. Um, I saw All Quiet on the Western Front a couple nights ago, and that movie has been glued in my head for the last couple of days. So. Those people probably, you know, right now are on my top list.
1: So, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the movie that we were talking about, what, like an hour ago? uh,
2: just a minute ago. Yeah, so, you know, uh, some nights when my wife has to work late, uh, Kaya and I watch, that's when we watch our war films. And so, poor little, (laughs) yeah, I can only get away with that for maybe another, like, six months before she really understands what's going on on the screen. Because that movie is intense. It was intense. But it is beautiful and the realism. I'm a realist. uh, Yeah. And man, that scene in the in the uh, the blown out uh, um, don't bunker sp- don't where you know the knife comes to play—I yeah, won't go into detail yeah, for people, but uh, I know
0: it broke. Uh, that uh, was
2: just so intense, and I was just like, "This is cinema. This is cinema, right this here." This is so. cinema.
0: And to the point, if you talk, if you listen to the the team that made that movie, did not have the budget to do what they did. Dang. Wow. So again, technology finds a way yeah well Mm.
1: i'll have to go check it out but um that's super cool man well we have really appreciated your time dropping in the studio man for people that want to get connected with you how can people get in touch with you man
0: uh, I mean, you can either reach out to them and contact me via that way, or, you know, I have an Instagram, I, uh, I'm not, I don't know what the
1: tag is right now,
0: so you have to put we'll it. Put a, we'll put it, we'll put the graphic we'll, up. We'll,
1: we'll add it there, yeah, but that's not, that's not helping our podcast listeners. I think it's like Michael Bradley. I think it's
0: Michael Bradley Productions. There you go. So, Something you'll find like me. There's some guy with a beard. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Looks real Cajun on nah. there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, hey, we appreciate you, uh,
1: your wisdom, your time, and uh, just pouring back into this community. So uh, with all that being said, uh, if you are a podcast listener, be sure to give us a like, uh, drop a comment, get in touch with us. And uh, if you have questions, fire away because we're going to do a Q&A episode soon. And so with all that being said, Michael, thank you for coming out, and this has been a great episode of the Rough Cut Club.
0: All right. Thank you, guys. I was like, who are you (laughs) high-fiving? No, I'm just kidding.